What's up, guys? It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. You're listening to the two-man power trip. Oh, my God. This is Joey Styles, and you're listening to the two-man power trip podcast. This is Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. This is Cody Rhodes, the prince of pro wrestling, and you are listening to two-man power trip. This is Jimmy Vine, the boogie Wooker man. Tell my people my brothers and sisters, don't you dare miss John and Chad. Hey, everybody out there. This is the franchise Shane Douglas. Remember me? <laughs> well, guys, it's great to be on the show again i appreciate you asking me back so you said you were going to pinch yourself i didn't know it was that kind of show now i mean if you guys are in the privacy of your own home if you want to do these things good how you doing chad hey johnny cool man what's going on we're ready to go or what uh, okay. hey man what's up guys this is homicide oh that's my homie homicide with a big homie club yeah that would be it hey this is david penzer and this is the two-man power trip of wrestling well, thank you, thank you. Hear me, fear me. I don't do many wrestling shows anymore, probably because I'm a bit ignorant. You guys probably know ten times more than I do. Look, Mean Gene, I can't be beat. I'm the greatest of all time. And I would say that. And every kid, I, they knew they could kick the out of me. Great talking to you guys. It's been your pleasure. <laughs> They've worked in and around the wrestling business. They've studied thousands of hours of wrestling. And now... They bring to you the greatest legends, Hall of Famers, creative minds, and both current and future stars of pro wrestling. They are Primetime Pod and Chad, the two-man power trip of wrestling. Down in front quickly goes Berrio, look out, oh, backbreaker, oh, what kind of a suplex was that? This one is history, I do believe, yes. Looked like he was going for a backbreaker, right, and then turned and dropped him right on the back of his neck. Yes, that was a beautiful move on the part of Berrio, I have to admit. Ladies and gentlemen, your winner, Berrio. and a very impressive move. If we can, we'd like to go back in time just only a few moments ago and take a look at what seemed at first to be a backbreaker but turns out to be some kind of a inverted suplex dropping him right on the back of his neck. Watch this. Oh, there he goes. His head just whipped and hit the mat over for the cover. One, two, three, and that's this all zero. This is the two-man power trip of wrestling, and you are listening to episode number 273 of the two-man power trip of wrestling podcast, a podcast that is brought to you today by the Mid-Atlantic Gateway and the brand new book, Four Horsemen, A Timeline History by Dick Bourne. Head on over to the midatlanticgateway.com and purchase your copy of Four Horsemen, A Timeline History by Dick Bourne and educate yourself on the greatest faction in the history of professional wrestling from the beginning of the faction, the formation of the Four Horsemen, all the way through what is going on in terms of horseman business today. And you can get that over at midatlanticgateway.com. I read this book over the weekend and could not put it down. I cannot say enough good things about Dick Bourne 
and the Four Horsemen of Timeline History again, available at midatlanticgateway.com. And if you didn't know by now, my name is Chad, and as always, I'm joined by my tag team partner, the one and only John Paz. And John, today on the show, we're taking a special trip down memory lane with a very rare guest, a guy who does not come along very often, and it is somebody who you and I grew up watching back in the day, as they say, on WWF television, a guy who had a great run in many territories, but he also is a part of a legendary wrestling family as we welcome the one and only Barry Orton, otherwise known as Barry O, and we'd like to thank Captain's Corner and the crew over at Captain's Corner who are going to be bringing Barry O to the great Legends of the Ring convention this coming weekend in Monroe, New Jersey. You can go to legendsofthering.com for more information on that, and you as well can go to facebook.com, look up Captain's Corner, get all the ticket information that you possibly need to come meet Barry O, as well as the other great guests that he'll have, including the one and only Black Bart, as well as a friend of ours, Little Guido and Tracy Smothers. You may know them as the full-blooded Italians. They will all be on hand at at Legends of the Ring, and if you don't make it to Monroe, New Jersey, you can head out to the legendary Bud Carson's Pro Wrestling World in Allentown, Pennsylvania, the following day, and you get get your opportunity to meet Barry O, Tracy Smothers, and how about this, another blast from the two-man power trip of wrestling past, Savio Vega. So a lot going on with Captain's Corner, and we want to thank Nick so much for helping us get this interview scheduled, but what a treat it is to talk to somebody like Barry O. Now, Barry O, of course, you may remember, was a part of a pretty famous scandal that pegged the WWF in the mid-1990s, but we're not going to get into that today just because it's not relevant to the conversation. So if you're looking for that, we'd like to uh, maybe say uh, we apologize, but we're going to move on past that. We're going to talk about the history of the name Orton in professional wrestling and now what it means because Randy Orton, starting off as the legend killer, and I actually refer to him as the legend killer a few times, really went on to become one of the best stars of this modern era. And it all starts all the way back with Barry Orton's dad, with Cowboy Bob's dad, Bob Orton Sr. And we are going to find so much out about the Orton clan from Barry O and what he's got to say about the possibility of more Ortons coming down the pike in professional wrestling. But also, so many of the great opponents, so many of the great territories that Barry O has been a part of, there's no shortage of name value in this episode and a lot of cool stories coming your way, courtesy of Barry O. Now, John, as I welcome you in here, why don't you talk a little bit more about Barry O, talk a little bit more about this interview, and give us a few more of the highlights and some of the big moments we have to look forward to in this great conversation with Barry O. Yes, Chad, the two-man power trip is added again with another rare interview, and this one is extremely rare. You don't hear too much these days about Barry O, a.k.a. Barry Orton, the brother of Cowboy Bob Orton, the uncle of the Viper, Randy Orton. Obviously, Barry O had a quite a good wrestling career, quite a good worker in his day, great hand, and obviously, if you're you know, an Orton, you're known for being a good worker, you're known for being a good hand, and we go in-depth and deep into the world of the Ortons 
you know, this is very rarefied air, you know, to even get Barrio on. And, and obviously, it's very rare for him to do this autograph signing coming up in New Jersey on 610 and then in Allentown, PA on 611. So if anybody, you know, is looking for that rare autograph or somebody that you don't have in the encyclopedia, I'm going to guess Barrio is going to be top on your list. Go out there and meet this guy, get this autograph. Funny guy, great comments. So, you know, some of the answers were so unpredictable. You know, you didn't quite know where he was going, but it was a lot of fun to do. And it was very, you know, it was great. It was really great to hear from Barry and finally get his opinions on certain things. And I love talking about the dive, you know, from Randy Orton and him ripping on the Independence Day today. Love to get Barry O's opinion on that. Love to talk about, obviously, the ace himself. Cowboy Bob Orton. We go in depth on him. Obviously, former not only brother, but a former tag team partner of him and former tag team champion in the old territory days. We go through his territory days. We go through his complete run in the WWF, which is a lot longer than you may think, folks. He had quite a run, quite a career. One of those guys that could make anybody look good, and you may not even realize it or not. You know, he might have been wrestling, you know, Jake or Tito or somebody like that, and be like, wow, that was a great match. Well, you know, Jake and Tito are great in and of themselves and in their own right but Barry O can sure as hell hold his own he was a great worker some great matches with Bret Hart as well if you want to check out an IC title match that he had he had one in 1990 against Texas Tornado himself Kerry Von Erich so quite an accomplished and great career if you're looking for any controversies or anything about any sort of scandals we are not going into that we do not talk about that at all so if you're you know look, listening for that or looking for that please go somewhere else steer clear of this one because we're just sticking with his career and obviously we go into a stampede where he was the zodiac and we go into kind of what he's doing today and some great brainchilds he has so you know sit back relax and enjoy a a very rare interview from a member of a an elite, a very, very elite wrestling family. So, you know, like I said, sit back, relax, and enjoy a little bit of Barry Orton, a.k.a. Barry O. Without a doubt, and we want to again send you to the Captain's Corner Facebook page, but also head on over to their website, which is www.freewebstore.com. Dot org slash Captain's Corner, where you can reserve tickets and get all the information on not only the Legends of the Ring meet and greet, but also all the cool things that Captain's Corner is doing on the convention scene. They are an amazing crew. Nick is quite possibly one of the most professional guys that we have dealt with, and I appreciate all the nice things that Nick has said about the two-man power trip as well as all the nice conversations that we've had with Nick and Captain's Corner. So get your butts to Legends of the Ring where you're going to see the two-man power trip and we'll be joined by Kevin Thorne, Pete Gass, and Bob Holly in Monroe, New Jersey. It's going to be a hell of a day. Legends of the Ring is always just one really cool event. If you're on the East Coast, there's so many fantastic things happening that day. There's other indie shows like we've been talking about, WrestlePro that night in Keyport, New Jersey where Kevin Thorne's going to be involved in another great WrestlePro show. And just a lot of great events happening, courtesy of all the fine vendors and all the folks that participate in Legends of the Ring. So we want to thank Nick. We want to thank Barrio. And really listen to this interview and find out more about Barrio, that there's scandals and there's stories out there. And look, if you've got a Wrestling Observer from the mid-1990s or you've got YouTube, you can search Donahue, you can search Larry King, and all the Ring Boy scandals of the 1990s. 
it doesn't need to be talked about today. There's so many great things in the the career of Barry O to cover, and we hope we do a great job with you hearing all that, and we would love to hear some feedback on this episode. So please go out of your way and get a hold of us on social media as well as all the places you hear these podcasts. Get out there. Let's hear your voice. And as well, please go to irwnetwork.com and check out the brand new franchise Shane Douglas and two-man powership of wrestling triple threat podcast. The preview just dropped last weekend. We're hearing some great responses today. Shane is so jazzed up and so pumped about this show hitting the airwaves that we would love to bring a little bit of it to the two-man power trip. But in due time, as the franchise Shane Douglas and the two-man power trips triple threat podcast takes over the IRW network. But more about that will come in the coming weeks, I am sure. But now let's get it on over to the one and only Barrio. So, John, hit him with a little bit of two-man power trip of wrestling business and get this show on the road. Now for some TMPT business. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Two Man Power Trip and at Wrestling Pal. Please subscribe to us on YouTube. Also, subscribe to us on iTunes. Please leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Also, while on iTunes, check out the feed for prior legendary episodes featuring the living legend Bruno San Martino, the late great American Dream Dusty Rose, the Enforcer Arn Anderson, Ray Mysterio Jr., Glenn Kane Jacobs. The phenomenal AJ Styles, lead WWE attorney Jerry McDivitt, and so many others. Also, while you're on the internet, check out ProWrestlingTees.com. Yes, that is ProWrestlingTees.com. They are your superstore for all your wrestling t-shirt needs. Check out our page. Check out Tito Santana, Coco Beware, Kevin Thorne, Buff Bagwell, Magnum TA, and so many others. Also, while you're on the web, check out our website, tmptofwrestling.com. And if you're on Android, please check us out on Google Play or Player FM. Follow along with the two-man power trip of wrestling in 2017 as we hit the road and we come to a town near you. Monroe, New Jersey on June 10th. Keyport, New Jersey on June 10th. Then we head on down to New Kent, Virginia on July 15th for the Crockett Cup. Then follow us down to Philadelphia where we hit the Icons Collectors Fest at the 2300 Arena. So please follow along with the two-man power trip of wrestling in 2017 because you never know where we may land. And now, without any further ado, a former NWA America's Tag Team Champion, a former ICW Tag Team Champion, he is a former WWF Superstar, he is the brother of Cowboy Bob Orton, he is the uncle of the legend killer, the Viper Randy Orton, you may know him as the Zodiac or Barry O, he is Barry Orton. Please enjoy.
joining us on the line tonight is a guy who comes from a very illustrious wrestling family with his ties to his father, the great Bob Orton Sr., his brother, the ace cowboy Bob Orton, and continuing the legacy, his nephew, if you've ever heard of him, he's called the legend killer, Randy Orton. It's such a pleasure to be joined by a guy. John and I grew up watching him. His name is Barry O. Barry Orton. Thank you so much for joining the two-man power trip of wrestling. Hey, man, I'd just like to say that it's uh, my delight, and uh, I appreciate you guys inviting me on, and uh, I can't think of anything else I'd rather be doing. Well, we appreciate that, and you're one of those guys that for our show, you're absolutely perfect because you've worked in so many different territories. You obviously come from a lineage in professional wrestling, very heavy on the professional wrestling aspect part of it. And i got to tell you, we're getting so excited for next weekend as Legends of the Ring finally comes around on June 10th in Monroe, New Jersey, as you're making a very, very rare East Coast convention appearance, not only in Monroe, but also the next day out at Bug Carson's Pro Wrestling World in Allentown, right. PA. And the first question would be, how excited are you to be coming back to the East Coast? I am stoked, man. I, I love the East Coast. Uh, New York City is my favorite place of all places because I studied classical theater there for a couple of years. And the energy, just walking down the street, man, on the Upper West Side, you can feel the souls of all the greatest performers. These are people that spent 16 hours a day, you know, uh, practicing their craft and, and uh, polishing it, you know what I mean? And it's just like you can feel them walking right next to you. So, you know, it's a, it's, and it's a beautiful city. And uh, New Jersey, I love New Jersey. I can't tell you why, but I, I do. And uh, I've, I've lived there as well. And uh, just the East Coast, just uh, it, it makes my heart flutter, man. Uh, I know the uh, the convention nerds, and I, I say the nerds lovingly, are going to be dying to get you out there. You know, you're one of those key essential guys in that WWE encyclopedia that people could bring that thing around all day, get all these signatures in it. But you, like I said, rare appearance. And the East Coast, Allentown, PA, where you'll be the next day, I know you're very familiar with that. That was a hub for WWF television back in the 1980s. But what do you think about getting to get back in touch with the fans after all this time and kind of hear some of the stories that they bring to you and kind of see, you know, where they've been all these years as they've been waiting for you to come back? You know, I got to tell you, a thing happened the other day, and I, I don't talk about it too much, you know, but I'm having some medical stuff done. I just had a hip replaced, which is uh it's remarkable man it's just like a brand new hip it's uh, there's no pain uh i mean they did a hell of a job and uh anyway so you know i have to go see doctors and nurses and this and that and i walked into a place oh my pharmacy and there was some new girl or something right and she goes oh you're the the pro wrestler guy right and she started bringing me up on the damn internet and showing me all these pictures and everything and i was like wow where did that come from you know so so people are uh people are still diehard fans man and it still excites them that's that that much we've learned 
Oh, it's like uh, a whole new Pandora's box that's open with uh, with wrestling fans today because there's more fans that are trying to buy into pro wrestling than ever before. I mean, the WWE Network being what it is, and, you know, the tons of merchandise in these conventions take on a life of their own. But, you know, mentioning your dad, mentioning your brother, and obviously your nephew, you know, your name carries a lot of weight in professional wrestling still to this day. And your nephew being really one of the only throwbacks that's left in the industry you're probably going to be getting a ton of questions about Randy, but how have you kind well, of liked to see Randy's uh, progression over the last uh, 10 years or so? Well, well uh, let me just throw this in real quick. I got news for you, brother. My grandson, he's 11 years old. He's already been three-time uh, Pennsylvania State champion, and uh, <coughs> his last win, the match lasted about seven seconds. Wow. And yeah, so so I predict he's going to uh grow up, become a pro wrestler and put us all in our place. Uh oh. Okay, now you were asking me about Randy. Yeah, no, well that's gonna just carry the lineage on even more and that kind of uh that could make the legend killer uh shake in his boots. But no, I was just saying about Randy, him being one of the last old school guys that's really left in the business. Uh, somebody obviously grew grew up around it. You know, he, uh, he cut his teeth uh, in an era or watching an era that is, you know, bygone. And also, you know, now I was saying, looking at him, do you can you believe the progression that he's made over these last ten years to really he, cement himself? He, 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 well, he's a master. He's a master. But look at who his father is. Look who trained him. Oh yeah, you know absolutely. what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you. you yeah, have you ever heard of Carl Gotch? Yes, 100%. Okay. Carl Gotch, he trained with Carl Gotch for three years. Wow. Which makes him one of the best shooters, you know, uh, that the business has ever employed. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. No, he is. And it's just, it's not even the, the fact that he's shooting, but he, it's like he's carrying on you know, what was uh, a business and an industry that put meals on people's tables every night that grew more into sports entertainment and people who were those lunch pail guys, you know, they started to retire, they started to leave the business, but Randy seems like he's still that guy. I mean, Emo, I'm sure he lives a pretty healthy lifestyle, but Randy being a kind of link to the old school, do you really like that about what he's been able to maintain and keeping that Orton name alive? I absolutely do, man. I mean, that's quite a feat. Think about it. Look, uh, from the uh, 70s, we went from rock and roll to whatever that pop shit is to to uh, uh, disco to, uh, you know, punk and new wave. And, and uh, you know, and, and, and of course, rock and roll was being peppered on all of it, but but uh, and then look at where we're at today after the grunge in the 90s you know you see what i'm saying yeah. so everything cycles you know but there are people and you know i'll say green day is one of the bands that really they've kept it uh, uh fundamental the whole time and you know done a remarkable job and so you know if i had to to compare, I guess, a music success with Randy, it would probably be Green Day. 
you know, because they they kept they kept the old times rolling and uh, did it in a spectacular way that kept them, you know, at the top of their game. Yeah, that's a great comparison because obviously as they evolved, you know, they became just from being punk acts and you know a rock act to be more of a. Uh, you know, they made the political statements and they carried on into a whole new generation. And Randy, you know, coming up mid-2000s, he was in the next phase after, you know, the Monday Night Wars had ended and they were looking to create new stars. And now he is one of the old guards, surprisingly. He's only, you know, in his uh, mid to late 30s. But the fact that still, no matter what he does, he's, he becomes a polarizing figure. And the last thing that he had a controversy, not really controversy, he had a little bit to say about the guys who do too much in matches. And that's really a point of contention with a lot of guys in the business is that there's too many high spots, there's too much of this, there's too much of that. And Randy had some great points that a lot of people agreed with, stemming from a line from Rip Rogers. But, you know, do you kind of agree with what Randy had to say, that, you know, there's way too much going on in matches today and it kind of takes away from the actual psychology of what It kind of does, yeah. And, you know, the problem is, is these fucking baby faces, excuse my language, I'm sorry about that, I apologize no, go ahead. to everyone that may have been offended. Uh, the The problem is, is the baby faces want to get over so bad that you know they don't want to take any time to uh, uh, tell a story. You know, and one of the guys who taught me about that was I had a match one night <clears throat> with uh, Ricky Steamboat in the Carolinas. And it was for TV, and, man, the people were going crazy. It was an unbelievable match. And I told him, I said, man, I said, man, you put me over like a million bucks. I said, thank you so much. And he said, well, it's my, uh, it's, it's my philosophy that if you're working with someone, they know how to work, let them work, because... If you go out and you eat someone up and beat them, then you didn't beat anybody. But if you go out and you have a, and you know you're you're challenged throughout the entire match by someone who might just, you know, be able to pull an upset, he said, uh, then the people get more involved, and uh, when I do win, if I beat you, then I'm beating somebody. In the eyes of the fans, I'm not just beating some slough, you know, so I'll never forget that. That was one of the most valuable lessons I ever learned. Right, and that's that's an amazing lesson, and for that to be, you know, back in your day, that psychology still could be really something that the guys could focus on, but now I think the attention span of the fan is so short that if they don't get that high spot, they almost feel like they're shortchanged, that they didn't get their money's worth on the ticket. And I guess that, you know, somebody coming from the old guard, I guess, is that, is that something that annoys you, but you just kind of well, you might no, shake your head Well, no, because I'll tell you why. They, they, they were that way back then. Remember when they, back in the 80s when they had the horns and stuff, and they used to go, boring. Yeah. You recall that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay, okay. The more they did that, the less I did. And the baby face would be going, batshit, man. Come on, let's see this. this, this. I'd go just lay still. You know? And then I'd, I'd work it real slow out of there. 
And by the time we started opening up and going full steam, they were coming over the balconies uh, on sheets on fire and every other damn thing. You know, because they have no respect for you if you let them call your match. Absolutely. And that's you great heel you, you understand what I'm saying? Yep, and that's great heel psychology, too. Now, now these are just, you know, these are just my uh, things that I learned that, you know, work for me, so I don't want to, uh, you know, throw that on everybody. But I still think that there are better philosophies than some of the you know, some of what we might see today. But, dude, there's talent out there today that's just, I mean, you know, it blows my mind every time I see it. And, of course, Randy, even though he's my nephew, uh, you got to admit, man, the guy's a machine. He's absolutely one of the best. You know, oh, yeah, he's, he's a machine. You know, I heard uh, about, hell, about eight or nine years ago through a source very close to the inner workings, you know. He just came straight out and looked at me and went, he's the best guy we got, period, the end. You know, and that's something that normally the person in that position would not share with me. You you know what I'm saying? Absolutely, he's so smooth. But, but I, I so think good. they were. I think I think they were kind of stunned because they didn't think I understood that. Hmm. You know, and which is the reason why they actually came out and said it because they were like, uh, you know, I think that you should become aware of this so you're you're not walking around looking like uh, the uh, national goofball for professional wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, well, it's a little late for that, don't you think? <laughs> <laughs> well, Randy's so good. Obviously, he's had some great teachers, including his dad, obviously, uh, Bob Orton Jr. You've actually, you know, team with him, trained with him as well. Obviously, Randy's kind of smooth. And if you go back and you watch Bob, you know, when we were, me and uh, Chad were kids, we used to watch Bob. He's so smooth in the ring. You, did you learn a lot from teaming with him and obviously, you know, being brothers with him and, and getting that chemistry with him? Yeah, I did. I, I absolutely did. But by the time, you know, like, I mean, I was kind of coming into my own. So by the time him and I teamed up, it was just all kind of like, you know, we knew what we were going to do, you know, like without saying anything. You know what I mean? He'd yes, just make a like, move, and I'd know what he wanted. You know what I mean? So I would I would uh, set him up perfect. And uh, so that was that was nice. That was breezy. And, of course, if I did screw up, uh, you know, I got to lecture for two hours. <laughs> <laughs> you guys kind of had that unspoken bond. You don't really need to say anything. You just do a move, and he knows where you're going. And, and <laughs> right. Right, right, right. But but you know, he, he he Bob's a great guy, man. No one can deny it. And uh, uh, Randy's a great guy, and he's really maturing well. And and uh, you know, he just got remarried. He's really happy about that. I think he's maybe the happiest I've ever seen him. 
and he uh, yeah. just uh, RKO'd his stepson into a pool. I, I just saw recently as well. Pretty funny. Oh, really? And what did you see that on uh, YouTube or something? Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> That's funny. funny. Stuff. I, I, I'm He's not, always I keeping his name out there too, which is good. He's pardon me. He's always keeping his name, you know, right on the headlines, which is always good. Right, and you he's, now you know that he's no longer called the Legend Killer. Mm-hmm. They call him the Viper now. Yes. So I keep waiting for Jake Roberts to show up and hand him a snake. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's speaking of you know like Jake the Snake, and and kind of reminds me of that that era of the WWF. Obviously, you've had some, you know, matches with Jake Snake and things like that, but that era of WWF with your brother and, you know, that early to mid-80s and even later 80s as well, was that, a you know, a time that will never be seen again? It seems like more of the, the golden age of wrestling. There's so many good wrestlers in that time it period was, in the WWF. It was a unique time and stands alone. As far as, because, you know, Vince was just trying to figure out where he was going to go and, you know, how he was going to get there. And and uh, there was no backstabbing in the dressing rooms. All the guys were, you know, at least respectful to each other. And, uh, you know, it was kind of a different kind of a trip, you know, because everybody was like on the same team, you know. And uh, that felt really good, you know, because I'm, I'm, I'm not a big guy on conflict and shit, you know, and bullshit and stooging and and all that. You know what I mean? I've never yeah, one team. Yeah, we were like one team. Everybody treated each other like you know, it didn't matter where you were on the card or anything. Everybody got treated with the same amount of respect. You know what I mean? Absolutely, yeah. And there were so, so many different great wrestlers that you had. I mean, you mentioned Ricky Steamboat before, who you said told you a valuable lesson. We're talking about Jake. But what about a guy who was just coming into his own, a guy like Bret Hart? When you wrestled him then, did you kind of foresee him becoming, you know, the great technical excellence of execution star that he became? Uh, no. No, I didn't. I, you know, I never gave any of that any thought because he was with uh, Nightheart. And uh, and I was already gone, you know, when when they started pushing him and all that stuff started happening and he became the champion and stuff. So no, I I didn't I did not predict that one. You know. So but you know there was a while there where Brett and I were very close, you know, and we'd traveled a lot together and and I considered him, you know, one of my best friends on the road, you know. But, uh, you know, time goes by, and, and then you don't see people for a long time. And and uh, I know he's been through a lot and everything, so we don't speak anymore. I speak to his brother once in a while. Uh, uh, I'm trying to think of his name. Damn. Bruce? Bruce, yes, Bruce. Sorry about that. Hey, no problem. You know, 
like obviously, you know, Brett, you wrestle a lot of these guys, and a lot of these guys are either you know on the way up or on the way down or wherever. What did you feel about your role in the WWF in that time period? Well, you know, I was just doing my job, man. I felt all right. And, you know, when I started getting bigger and better, uh, there was a little window that opened up for me, and it was was, uh, slammed shut uh, because of a very stupid thing that I did. And... uh, you know, so I don't, I don't, I don't blame anybody but me for that. You know what I mean? Uh, that silly car wreck in uh, Arizona. You know. Yeah. Which I really don't want to go into detail about. But, right. But, right. Uh, don't have to. But with you know, with you in the WF, your brother obviously was was a big cog in a wheel at one point with Piper and Order and stuff. Did you ever, you know, say to him, hey, you know, I, I want to get higher up on the car, you know, what do I need to do? Or maybe did you want to latch on to him at any point? Or were you saying, no, I'm going to trail, you know, trail, oh, hell blaze no. my own trail? No, man. I, you know, why would I blame him? And why wouldn't I want, you know, just like Randy, I mean, I want the best that they can possibly do. The best success they can possibly uh, achieve is exactly what I want for them. I love them both dearly, man. You know what I mean? So, so no, there was never any jealousy or anything like that. Do you have any matches that really stick out at, that, at this point? Because there's so many guys that you wrestle that you, when you really kind of go back, like you said, like a Bret Hart, for instance, or one of these guys, and you go back and you think about it, it's like, man, like Killer B, British Bulldog, so many of these guys are just, you know, amazing wrestlers, not only for the time period, but of all time, just great in-ring wrestlers. Right. Uh, I'm trying to figure out the guys that I had the best matches with. Um, you know, like like there are some problems with some baby faces, you know what I mean? Because uh, they want to eat you up and then beat you, you know what I mean? They want to they wanna shine and then bury you, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And and so, you know, I won't allow that to happen, or I never did, you know what I mean? Unless they came to me and demanded it, you know, uh, for something for TV or something, and then I understood that. But I think, you know, just about shit, everybody that I worked with, I know that that I had a couple of really good tag team partners, and and uh, shoot, I, I can't think of anybody that I didn't enjoy working with. I know that a couple of my best matches were with uh, uh, the bodybuilder, little bodybuilder guy. Uh, can't think of his name right now, son of a bitch. Uh not Tony Atlas. He, he was he was uh, Putsky. Ivan Putsky. Oh yes. Yeah, I had a couple of remarkable matches with him. I remember getting on a plane one morning in Amarillo, 
and going to the section on sports, and it said that uh, the best match on the car by far was Barrio and Ivan Putsky, and then Bob Orton and somebody, you know, and then it said, and Hulk Hogan was on the match on the card as well. <laughs> so I kind of thought there was a little humor, thought there yeah, was a little humor there. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, but everybody can't shine every night, man. You know what I'm saying? Yes. I, so. I do remember, though, uh, you know, back in, uh, I believe it was probably 1990, well, it had to be 1990, you had a, a intercontinental title match as well against the Texas Tornado, Kerry Von Erich. Do you have fond memories Eric, yeah. of working? Yeah. Do you have fond memories of working with him? Did, do I like working with him? Yeah. Uh, you know, I did not like working with him. But I was always a little nervous working with him because he had had that foot problem and uh, it kept him off of balance a little bit, you know, like he was like a kind of half a second behind everything, you know what I mean? And, uh, you know, it worried me that he was going to, that ankle was going to go or something and then, he, you know, he was going to end up hurting both of us, you know what I mean? But other than that, uh, I thought we had great matches, you know. I thought we had good matches. I know that, you know, uh, one of the matches that always gets talked about is me and Jesse Ventura at his garden. What was Jesse like to work? He was like a piece of cake, man. He, he was like, He was like a... A bowl of those damn balls that you jump in at the little kids jump in at the at the uh, <laughs> a little at the fair. <laughs> the little ball pit. Yep. And he really knew how to uh, take it each way, and didn't have any problem, no ego problem. You know, he was just he was just uh, remarkable. Now you mentioned. Obviously, you having the best match in the car when we're talking about that match with Ivan Putsky, you're talking about Bob Orton, obviously, brother having a good match. But you mentioned Hogan. What was Hogan like in that time period? Were you close with him at all? Was there any kind of interactions between you and the Hulkster? Well, he was always nice to everybody. Hey, brother, you know, like that. But but there was something, I don't, you know, I, I got a... I got a little bit of bad blood with him, but that's between me and him, and, and uh, you know, it really doesn't need to be discussed or anything. If you want to if you, if you learn more about it, you have to buy the book. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Which now, is in production right now. <laughs> now, is this just an autobiography just going through your whole career? Yeah, pretty much my whole life, my my personal life and my, uh, you know, life with my father, growing up with my father as a father, and, you know, the uh, difficulty uh, with my, my brother and I, because my brother was eight years older than me, and he was my idol, and I always wanted to be like him, and, you know, when he was 20 and I was 12, it's not like we could go out and hang out together, you know what I mean? 
Mm-hmm. Yep. So, you know, and I remember him, shut up, punk, a lot, saying that. <laughs> shut up, punk. <laughs> That's a classic uh, big brother, little brother. I'm also, I'm eight years with my little brother, so I... Uh, I could definitely uh, see myself using the shut up punk line a couple times, but you know, with your dad, <laughs> I got I got to mention this because this is something. If, if people don't do their research and they look at your career, one of the coolest things I think that you did was when you went up to Stampede in the mid '80s and you well recreated or created whichever way you want to look at it, the Zodiac, which was based off of a character that your father or a name your father had portrayed. Correct me if I'm wrong, but just so at that point, an occult character that basically had never been seen before and was way ahead of his time. Why don't you tell us a little bit about the the Zodiac? Well, my father had done it in uh, Georgia. And it got over really well. And, you know, they, they would, like, use these colored lights. And, and it was, you know, it was pretty ahead of its time as far as uh, technology goes. And they would put sound effects on his voice so you wouldn't know who he was but he would talk to the stars you know and he'd raise his hands up and everything so i got the idea to take it a step further and uh be more in touch with a character named luke which of course is short for lucifer but that's really the only way i could get away with it because uh you know it's a family show and the the guy who did the color up there had a lot of, I guess he had a lot invested in the company, and he just wouldn't go for the stuff that was that scared him, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, you know, I'd write these really heavy, I read a lot of astrology and astronomy books and a lot about the occult and and stuff like that, and I kind of mixed it all together and and would predict, you know, certain days and, and uh, you know, what would happen to my opponents. And, you know, I had lines like, uh, Spirit, you've got spirit, but your soul belongs to me, you know, that kind of stuff. And uh, it got over pretty well, in fact, when I did the switch with Jason the Terrible. Uh, I still hold the record, I think, for Edmonton and and, uh, Calgary. And you think, when we think think of Stampede Wrestling, I don't think we think of that kind of character, because this was in the later incarnation of Stampede. Now, was Bruce running it at that point, or was Stu still having his hands in the uh, the middle? Oh, no, no, it was pretty much Bruce and Ross. You know, Bruce was doing the booking, and, and but but I actually was able to talk them into a deal before I went up that <clears throat> you know I was in control of the Zodiac, and you know it was it was my gig, and like you know what I said went, and they went for it, and they and they held up their end of the bargain, you know, and. Uh, and they were just blown away by it. They're still blown away by it, you know. So, so, uh, but, you know, that's kind of like the way my mind thinks. 
you know, I mean, I don't want to take anything away from Vince or anything, but you can ask like Terry Gibbs, for instance. Uh, <clears throat> all the rock and rollish kind of lights and uh, stage with the uh, amplifiers and you know all the graphics and everything. I mean, I was talking about that in 1978. You know, so I don't know if that means anything. Probably not, you know, since it wasn't me that that uh, quantified it, you know. But uh, but that Zod- well, that Zodiac character, though, you know, I'm sorry to cut you off there, but that Zodiac character, you know, not to sell anything short, I mean, it was way ahead of its time. And whether or not, you know, you've dabbled in the, the film industry after your wrestling days, and whether or not the Zodiac helped inspire what you did post-wrestling, you really got to kind of hang your hat on the fact that that character, you could literally slap that on television right now and that character would get over. Probably. Yeah, probably. But I've got, uh, I'm working on a thing right now that, uh, makes that look like shit. Sunday morning cat cartoons. <laughs> oh, I'm serious. Serious as a heart attack. <laughs> and you know, you remember, when uh, Beefcake did the Zodiac and uh, uh, the NWA thing that they were doing out of Atlanta, okay, I had sent I had sent them that, and me playing a guitar, another character, right? And Sam Kennison was involved. He was going to do appearances with me and shit and everything, right? And they did both those gimmicks right out from under my nose. Almost so I couldn't do, and they and they destroyed them both, and they almost did. It was like you know, so I couldn't do them anywhere. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I'll never forget that. So my my I learned my lesson, man. My lips are sealed. I have an attorney now, and everything is registered and trademarked, and you know what I mean. So that uh, when I uh, reap present this treatment then I don't have to worry about you know people taking it from me and let's kind of roll into what you did after your wrestling life and that is kind of tackle the film industry and obviously film and wrestling kind of go hand in hand but how was that transition for you kind of getting into the acting world and a little bit of the stunt work well I'll tell you uh, everything I did was uh, independent and I did, you know, I mean, people were blown away by my work. But uh, getting into, you know, the actual business, you know, and going to work for the studios and stuff like that, that's a whole different animal. And uh, I was filming a movie that I had written, which uh, most professionals were saying was going to win... like all the film festivals, it was going to take them all, even Cannes Festival. But I ran out of money, and uh, and and there was a gentleman who was going to kindly finance my movie. I went to Kansas City and met him, and a week later he was diagnosed with colon cancer, and two months later he was dead. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so I I didn't know whether to take that as a sign or you know, but it but it was quite disappointing and uh 
because I had put, you know, months and days and weeks and years into that. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, then you're sitting there and you're like at a stop sign uh, and your car is stalled out and you don't really know what to do from there. So I kind of ended up not doing anything, you know. But, uh, but you know, life's not over yet. You never know. Uh, you know, I'm not the kind of guy who wants to be a rock or, or, you know, even a Randy Orton or any of those guys. I don't need to be the superstar and the, the first name on the marquee. Hell, I'll be happy being a bartender or, a, uh, just a ruffian number two with a machine gun that gets my head blown off. You know what I mean? I would like to. I would like to have that kind of career, you know, because you can make a hundred grand a year doing that, and, and uh, you know, you're around smart people, and and uh, uh, you're part of, you know, art. You know, I love art, just about every aspect of it, you know. And uh, then I can still play music, you know. I've still got people that I jam with, and and uh, <clears throat> we kind of got a kind of an idea going to get because you know I don't look really my age and then I have a hell of a guitar player that I've been playing with for 30 years he doesn't really look his age and then we were going to get a, a a kid you know a little bit younger that can sing his ass off and a couple of backup singers a couple of chicks maybe one of them to play keys a little bit and uh, try maybe doing something like that, you know. Start out working the clubs out here, and then, uh, uh, so you know, because it seems to me like the 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 music demographic they're starting to get it more and more. You know what I mean? Like when they listen to Kansas, who was way before their time. They listen to it with passion, man. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I mean, they're blown away with it, you know? And uh, I don't know if you saw the the 2017 MTV uh, Hall of Fame, but yeah, I think that's one of the best ones I've seen. I, I have not, but I'm going to give you a lot of credit for something. And it's one thing, you know, like I said, you prepare for an interview and you think one thing – we're going to do this. We're going to talk about wrestling and matches. But to be, I'm so impressed by all the different things that you've done and you're still continuing to do. But what keeps your drive going? I mean, you won't, you're, all these different things you've mentioned, what keeps you going and really fuels your creativity? Uh, I don't know, man. It's like autopilot. You know, you know what I mean? And, uh, and you know, I, I mean, I love life. I love my family. I, uh, you know, I, I love performing. There's nothing like performing live and the feedback you get from the uh, fans, etc. And, uh, you know, if you can tell a story to them and they respond to it, uh, you know, on the mark, then it just it fulfills you in a way that, uh, you know, Nothing else does. You, you know what I mean? Definitely. Uh, and, uh, you know, and then you're giving them uh, 
a release, and uh, <clears throat> and that keeps the streets safer. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Yep. So this, you know, there, I mean, there's a lot involved. You know, uh, uh, I got so many things going through my head right now. I just won't even bother. You know, at this point, to uh, uh, exas, you know, uh, you know, to go into any, any of them extremely. But basically, it's uh, the love of performance, the love of the crafts. Each one, you know, acting, uh, playing music, professional wrestling, it's all kind of, to me, uh, it's kind of like cross-training, you know? (laughs) Definitely makes sense to me. You know, as we start to wind it down a bit here, you know, we talked about you doing so many things, whether, you know, it's acting or wrestling or whatever, but if I could... Bring it back to wrestling for a second and ask just some of your favorite matches because even when looking at Stampede Wrestling and looking at some of the guys there that would go on to become some big-time stars, and obviously guys like Chris Benoit, Brian Pillman, Owen Hart, right. just some huge names that just stick out to me. Do you have a, you know some favorite matches as far as uh, Stampede Wrestling are concerned? They were good workers, man. They did some pretty fantastic stuff. But, you know, they were green, so they were a little dangerous. You know, and you got a lot of knees in the fucking uh, thigh and shit like that that made you limp around for a day or two. You know, but that's just part of the business. I never complained. (laughs) You know, but they were at that point, you know, just finding themselves and, uh, uh, you know, getting out of there and getting, getting down here to America, then, you know, they're their uh, capacity to grow in a much uh, faster uh, prospect is is something that, you know, I think helped them all. And that's where a guy like you plays such a vital role in their career, you know, teaching them, you know, maybe not being so stiff or, or, you know, different things like that. Do you kind of take pride in being able to teach young guys like that and then all of a sudden, Years later, they go on to become huge stars? Oh, yeah. I hate them. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) 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 Bastards. No, no, I think it's great. Anything I can do to help anybody, man, if they deserve it, you know, if they're good kids and they listen and, and they put their heart into it and then they, uh, achieve greatness, of course you're going to be proud, you know. I can't wait to get my uh, grandson up there. Another the eight years. Uh, another, another eight years, he'll be about ready to go. The next Orton prodigy, for sure. Now, you know, kind of looking back at your career, just going a little bit back further and looking at some of the territories you worked, like uh, – you know, whether it be Western states, whether it be Mid-Atlantic or Portland, you definitely wrestled some really good guys, you know, like Tully Blanchard or Matt Bourne or guys like that, Sam Houston, guys like that. Do you have, you know, some favorite matches that you look back upon? You know, the thing is, is I have so many, uh, to be honest with you, that it's it's really hard to 
you know, like 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 take one and pull it out. You know, I used to have some great matches with Terry Gibbs. Uh, they put him and I against each other. Uh, uh, my brother and I were tag team champions, and and we lost uh, to. Uh, let me see, who was it? Uh, Garvin, Ron Garvin, and Terry Gibbs who is a spunky bastard boy. And we had matches that, hey, when they split us up, the people would come to the matches and set and chant, we want Orton and Gibbs. That's how, uh, that's how good our matches were. And, and, and I think that, that, that I learned more and had more fun working with him because, man, we beat the shit out of each other. I mean, it was MMA all the way, brother. <laughs> oh, I'm serious. Hey, that's, that's great, though. That's a good style, good stiff style. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember he chased me all the way up the from the ring around the track, and I just about made it to where you turn into the off the track into the dressing rooms, and he got me, and he tackled me, and, man, I went down in the gravel. And we were picking gravel out of ourselves for three weeks. And my brother was standing there. And I go, Bob, help. And he goes, fuck you. (laughs) 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 Pardon my French again. (laughs) I apologize about that. But that is the way it went down. And I I think that the story justifies it. You know what I mean? Hey, definitely. Terry Gibbs great underrated hand then you had guys like Brett and Steamboat and all these other guys that name that you wrestled did you have a favorite opponent maybe somebody that sticks out or maybe somebody we wouldn't think of well like I said Terry Gibbs was good and you know uh, Ricky Steamboat was always a night off and uh, uh, shoot man there were just so many there wasn't too many guys that I didn't have good matches with you know what I mean yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, uh, the Bulldogs were a little, well, uh, what, what's his name? Uh, Brian, what was his name? The, the Dynamite Bulldog? Kid, David Boy Smith? No, that was the, uh, that was the British guys, uh, Bulldogs. I'm talking yeah. about the, I'm talking about Killer Bees, sorry. Oh, yeah. B. Brian Blair and Jumpin' Jim Brunzel. Yeah, B. Brian Blair. He was rough because he wanted to be in control of you at all times, and, you know, he just wanted to beat the shit I'd be the whole match, and you know what I mean? And I had to really, like, hold him down and fucking... You know, we've we had words. You know what I mean? It got to the point to where we had words. And uh and I think there might have been a little bit of a challenge there, but it never came to fruition. But now uh Jim what was his name? The other one? Jim Brunzel. Jim Brunzel. Great guy. Great guy. Lovely to work with. 
Yeah, and I'm sorry I'm, forget, I'm sorry I'm forgetting all these names, but God, I haven't thought of them in so long, you know? Well, you're going to be uh, hearing a lot about some of those names. You're going to be hearing a lot of old stories at Legends of the Ring next weekend, June 10th in Monroe at the Crown Plaza, as well as at Pro Wrestling World in Allentown, Pennsylvania on Sunday the 11th. And we also want to throw a big, huge shout-out to our buddy Nick at Captain's Corner for setting everything up. But the way we like to end it is like this, Barry. When you close the book, not only on professional wrestling, which you have, you've moved on to do other things, but with the name Orton in professional wrestling, at the end of the day, what does that mean to professional wrestling? What is the legacy of the Orton family? Oh, my God. Uh... You would have to ask a very uh, committed, long-time, lifelong fan, about 60, that question. Because uh, that's a hard question for me. Because I know that, you know, there's been success, and my father uh, was ultra-successful, my my brother was ultra successful. My nephew was ultra successful, and I had my, you know, I had my moments, and uh, I know that the name. Uh, if somebody says Orton on an airplane, most people know they're talking about wrestling. So basically, I, I don't know what else to say beyond that. You know, except that, that uh, except that we all we all brought new things to the ring, and we all worked our asses off. You can't give you guys high enough praise. It's a uh, an absolute, uh, just one of a kind legacy in the business. And again, I just want to say one more time: it's a very, very rare East Coast appearance for Barrio coming to Legends of the Ring next Saturday, June tenth. And then over to Allentown, Pennsylvania on Sunday, June 11th at Pro Wrestling World alongside a couple of great acts in Tracy Smothers and Savio Vega at Pro Wrestling World. But, Barry, this has been so much fun, and I can't wait to come up and shake your hand at Legends of the Ring and say hello. But I guess uh, if there's anything else you have coming up, if you'd like to uh, give a nice well, shout-out to the like to say before yours. I'd just like to say that I hope that I, uh, uh, that I you know, uh, delivered for you guys, and uh, and I want to thank Nick uh, because I think he's a, you know I haven't met him yet, but talking to him on the phone, he seems like one of the greatest uh, creatures uh, God you know ever designed. He's just a really nice guy, and uh, and uh, you guys yourselves seem like you're uh, really 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 good people. And uh, that's what makes all this uh, so much fun and so and worth it. You know what I mean? Uh, Nick is a, a really great guy. We uh, we happened to meet under unfortunate circumstances. There was a show that got canceled um, that he was actually bringing your brother into. That these guys canceled it on two weeks' notice. And John and I went ahead and put this backup show together. And we were talking to Nick the whole time. So that's kind of how we all got. Connected, so the good people always end up meeting uh, in well, some see, way. Well, that's shape a or fascinating form. story. There you go. 
everything worked out. You made everything, you made sure everything worked out, and that means that you're committed, and that's that's a good thing to be, man. Listen, it's been a delight talking to both of you guys. Uh, what you're doing is wonderful. Uh, well, you guys are doing a hell of a job, man. Just keep up the good work, and it was a delight uh, meeting you both. Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling. What the world is downloading.